Welcome to Entrench, a 21 Pilots podcast. I should probably not be recording right now because I don't have internet because it was super windy over the weekend. They said it was going to be fixed by 6 o'clock tonight. It was not. And I really wanted to record. I wanted to record yesterday, but I didn't because of the Wi-Fi. And so now I still don't have it and I probably shouldn't be using it because I've already used a lot of data and data don't grow on trees. So I'm just going to be straight up honest with you guys. I've decided (laughs) I'm going to record this in two days. Here's the deal. I think tonight I am going to just do like the casual first half of the podcast and then the part where we dig into clear will be tomorrow, which for you obviously is irrelevant. It's going to be like days ago, but you know what? (laughs) I like talking in real time. So Yes. Um, I hope you enjoy this first and um, probably only time that I do a span of a two-day episode. Hello, local dreamers. Welcome to Entrench. My name is Anna, and this is episode 24, Clear. Make sure you listen to the song beforehand and are ready for an in-depth analysis of track 14 off Regional at Best. Welcome back. I missed you guys. And I just want to spend quite a bit of time just giving a life update and talking about stuff. Nugget is trying to jump in my lap. Clearly she knows you guys are listening in your respective places and she's excited. She's literally trying to paw at you. So just know Nugget loves you. Even if you are allergic to cats, she loves you. (laughs) Okay, actually though, tonight I was (laughs) walking. Oh my god, she just clawed her way into my lap. Now her butt's on the microphone. Classic. She's she's sniffing the microphone. Good girl. Is that your people? Say hi to the people. Literally, watch in like two seconds, she's gonna cause mass destruction. <laughs> hey, <laughs> this ain't your podcast. <laughs> All right, no room. Wait, guys, that was actually hysterical. I kept talking, but she. <laughs> I was literally saying there ain't no room for the both of us. And <laughs> right in the middle, she turned the recording off like a sassy little kitty. Okay, well, this is having a kitten. I was walking in my living room like an hour ago and I stepped on something sharp and I was like, ow, and I picked it up and it was literally one of her baby teeth. (laughs) So this is what being a cat mom is all about, kids. Anyway, sorry for my, my huge nugget intro. That's the most consistent part of my life. She's so much quieter than when um, I collabed with Remus and Michael. She was meowing all the time. Now she's literally nuzzling the microphone and she's not even making a peep. I think because she also just had the zoomies, so she's sleeping now. (laughs) It's like her sleep cycle. It's like eat, play, sleep, repeat. So where have I been? So long story short, because I know that I can easily be an overshamer. I decided to work on the second draft of my contemporary novel for November. And genuinely, I don't know why I wanted to try NaNoWriMo again, because I've done it in the past and it's never been healthy or helpful for me long term. (laughs) I literally told myself last time, which was 2019, I was like, I'm never doing NaNoWriMo again. So I don't know why I was suddenly like, I should try it again. Because 
I'm an impatient person and I'm like, well, I don't want this to take me 30 more years. So I'm going to try nano. But in reality, like nano is just like not healthy for me. And something I've learned about myself is too many areas of my life. I'm like very all or nothing, which is just there's always more than all or nothing. You know, there's never two options. It's not don't write at all or write everything in one month. Like there are many medium options that are healthier for me that I could choose and I should choose. So um, definitely still find a healthy balance for that. But apart from writing, I got like a week in. I was doing decent, but it was still like, I should not be doing this. But then a week in, I officially just like gave up because I had some heartbreak come up. Um, which she can never plan for, unfortunately. And that literally just sapped all of my inspiration, honestly. The only thing I wrote was about one of my characters who was having heartbreak as well. I literally just could not even think about anything else. So I was like, I'm not going to sit here for three weeks and write next to nothing and just be angry at myself for not writing things when I need to just grieve and, you know, live like a normal person in the midst of heartbreak bless you nugget and yeah I already put too much pressure on myself with writing in particular anyway because out of all of my projects and passions it's the one thing where other people know I wanted to do it for a really long time and so for me it just puts a lot of added expectation on it that something like this podcast does not have because I just no one ever expected me to make this I just came up with it and did it, you know? So there's just absolutely no expectation with this podcast and that's why I love it so much. So if you feel so inclined, I would love prayers for just finding a healthy balance with writing and what that looks like for me. And obviously, personally, if you'd also like to pray, just prayers as I continue to heal from my heartbreak because it's it's sad and I'm sure most of you have been through it. I think throughout the heartbreak though, what I'm learning most from God is how do we present and how to just accept and be okay with not knowing. I don't know. I just assumed that we were hoping for the same things the whole time and the impressions I always got was that we were. You get so familiar with someone that you think you know certain things and then it's just kind of like, oh, I guess I didn't know that feels weird given how well I knew you for a while. So that's a weird feeling. Honestly, if I talk about it too much longer, I'm going to get emotional again. I trust God. I don't doubt that this is what needed to happen for me and him in this season. So thank you for listening. Um, the other thing that I just wanted to months late talk about were the two concerts I went to on the TakeOver tour. Um, I'm really biased. The first one was my favorite. Nothing against Chicago and the United Center, but going to, (laughs) this is annoying because this is reminding me of Harry Potter when you're, they're they're like, is it Bob Ogden or Bob Ogden? I went to Ogden question mark theater in Denver on September 22nd and it was so good. It feels like I dreamed it. Literally, the very next day, I was back in Michigan, and I was like, was that real? I'm pretty sure it could have been a dream. (laughs) Like, literally. How am I already back in Michigan? So, my friend Laura is a saint who I'm still shook has not been on a podcast yet, because what? You've heard Kate twice, and you have yet to hear Laura. 
blows my mind blows my mind you will don't don't you worry but we so she was a saint and she's just like i'm getting us tickets and i was like can i pay you back and she was like no <laughs> and this has happened many times in our friendship and it's very frustrating every single time but i still love her she models generosity more than anyone i know and so does kate they are both incredibly generous so i ended up taking the week off because it was on a wednesday so i got to take a whole week of pto off um it was awesome i always wanted to visit red rocks amphitheater um it's actually like on my bucket list like life goals so that was awesome unfortunately there was a concert going on i did that on tuesday the day before the concert and there was a concert going on so we weren't able to go into the stadium which is what i was really hoping for so that was a bummer and i'm definitely visiting again so that i actually can go in the stadium at some point but that was a ton of fun like two awesome things in one trip and so we we went pretty like close to the show like we didn't go there super early like when me and becca saw them on the bandito tour we literally got there at noon we were committed this time we went just like got dinner and and went and got in line the coolest thing i just want to give a cred to laura's older brother tommy he is an artist he primarily runs a business he designs lacrosse sticks their whole family loves lacrosse i can't even say it it's great and he ended up each it was okay so it was me tommy laura and our friend George, who went to the concert, and we each got a pair of white vans, and Tommy painted all of them for the different albums, so Laura got self-titled, I had Trench, George had, I think one of his was Blurry Face, and one of his was Vessel, but I could be wrong, and then Tommy's were Scaled and Icy. It was awesome. And if you are super curious, I posted it in both the Facebook group and my Instagram at entrench underscore pod. And they look awesome. And I still will just like see mine in my closet and just in awe of how beautiful they are. I ended up wearing them to both concerts. So we were in line and we told Tommy he should have like airdropped his business card to like everyone at the concert who had their airdrop on that would have been a great marketing plan but no but we did get some compliments in line and so that was cool and then yeah we went in we ended up going when we got in it was like pretty full in the immediate floor of the concert hall because it's small still cannot believe that i was there in that small venue (laughs) it does not feel real but The balcony was still like decently open and so we ended up going to the very end of the right side of the balcony. Unfortunately, a couple people had taken the stools right on the edge by the time we got there. And the most annoying thing to me, guys, about that whole concert was the people. So we would have been on the very edge. Like, okay, you don't understand (laughs) how close we were like yes we were in the balcony but this was a small venue it was not a very tall balcony right we're on the very edge so we're like right closest to tyler's piano seriously it's like maybe 10 feet above the ground the balcony like it's really not that tall it's really not that far away from the stage and the ground and we would have been on the literal edge of it if these people had not been sitting in their stools so we were like 
you know, when you're like in a picture and you're like, find a window. We were, we were standing in the windows of the people sitting on the stools. And the most annoying part, you guys, I am very confident. I think Laura was very confident too. These women sitting in front of us on the stools were not even big fans. Like, I think all the people sitting on the stools were like pass holders for the venue. And it was so disappointing. I was like, it's fine if I'm not on the very edge of the balcony, very close to Tyler's piano, as long as these people are huge fans too. And I don't think at least the women directly in front of us were. And I was very... (laughs) frustrated the whole time like literally <laughs> when we're singing um mulberry street like get out of <laughs> every time every time to this day that i sing that song i just think of those women i'm like get out of my way <laughs> i was so upset i'm gonna compose myself so i can maturely talk about the rest of the concert okay so take me back to the best night of my life. (laughs) Insane. It's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's so, you know, like it's one, like every single Tony Pyros is like, how do you describe it? But something in that intimate of a setting, when you're like, there's no way in this stage of their career, we should be in this intimate of a setting. How? Why? Why me? Most of all, why me? And God's like, because <laughs> literally i'm like i'm a girl <laughs> literally <laughs> the two concerts like i'm not even from chicago i'm not even from denver how did i even get there <laughs> how do i know people who coincidentally lived in these cities so i can even go to these concerts out of all this like i don't think i have any other consistent friends in any other states but illinois and denver <laughs> denver denver's not a state wow <laughs> I'm having way too much fun tonight. I'm sorry. But it's been a long day. (laughs) Okay, so they started. I don't remember, but I feel like they, every single time you're like waiting for Tony and Piles to come on stage, I swear it's like always video game music. I I swear, which is on brand because I feel like they're inspired by video game music a lot. Like I feel like Tyler was joking that one time about it in an interview, but I feel like he was actually serious he was like we're inspired by donkey kong country and i was like no yeah i, I totally believe that <laughs> i'm like yes that game is a bop like i fully support this <laughs> like come on yeah so i don't know if they played any like quote-unquote elevator music beforehand i don't remember but it started with good day which i was excited about I still remember the first time I ever heard that. I literally was like, this is literally Tony and Pilots if they were a musical. The, this, what this song is. It's them in a musical. <laughs> and then that went into no chances. And I was just, especially because this was only the second night of the show. Like, I was not expecting that. Like, the transition and the, they had the Bishop reel from the live stream play. And Tyler, like, went behind the screen and hid. And then he got raised up on a little, like, dais or whatever. Right when no chance. Like, the, I think it was, like, right when the bass dropped. I also got that on video. Um, and I have, from Ajin Theater, I have that on my Instagram as well. So, all I'm saying is there's a lot of quality content on the Instagram. I'm just not a very consistent poster. But 
if you there's some there's some gems on there with the little content I do have. That was just an insane, incredible way to start the concert. Like the the second No Chances started, everyone was like, "Let's go!" It was just like full out. Everyone was like yelling and screaming and. Yes, we were all picked for this for a reason. We are so hyped to be here. Why Why me? Literally, how big is this fan base? How small was this venue? How much was I not from Colorado? How did I end up there? <laughs> how? I don't understand. Like, guys, I truly don't. There's so many reasons why I should not have been there. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I don't remember the specifics of the rest of the set list, but I was just, like, blown away. I remember me, George, Laura, and Tommy being like, what songs do we want them to play? And I'm still really sad. Um, so the Chicago show ended up having the same set list as the Denver show I went to. The only exception being they played the full version at Chicago of Redecorate, which what a wreck, what a sob fest. But I was bummed. It was the same. It was still really good, but I was just oh my gosh, what I wouldn't give to Hero to Sleep Live, like all the lucky vessel people have. Just like the fact that it's the other set list started with Ode to Sleep and the ending was Goner and Trees. Like, I can't, I cannot fathom listening to that set list. And literally no popular big hits. I would die to hear that, that set list. Not like, I still love all the popular hits, but just like, like what a bold move. I love that. But so I was really bummed I never got to hear Choker live because that is my favorite song off Scaled and I See. Literally, they played all of them except Bounce Man and Choker. And I was like, seriously, like I understand Bounce Man is like a lot of people are kind of like eh about it. But Choker, man, Choker is my favorite. I would love to hear Choker live and I hope as many of you as possible got to hear Choker live and I hope I get to hear Choker live someday. I know they're coming to Michigan next year, but I just did not have the budget when the tickets came out so either I'll try to find a cheap one at the last second or honestly I'm kind of at the point because I don't normally see them uh, two times in a run like this I feel like I'm at a point where I'd rather hear them live again when they have new music but I understand that could be a while but if I know like something's gonna be the same set list or something like if there was a chance that I could hear the other set list though like I will probably have to try to go but I have no idea if they're even gonna be the same set list as they could easily mix it up so who knows but besides choker <laughs> i've gotten so off tangent we were like discussing all the songs we wanted them to play and they literally played all of them um i was like i would love to hear migraine because that's just always been one of my favorites they played migraine someone said we don't believe what's on tv they played that like yeah they played a lot of these at like their previous tours but like we didn't think they'd play them again I forget what else, but literally, we, we said so many we wanted to hear, and they literally played them all. It was insane. It was such a good mixture. Scaled and Icy, Trench, Blurry Face, Vessel. It was such a good mixture. It was like, I feel like it was as equally all of them as it could have possibly been with the time frame they had for a concert, and we counted, and they played over 35 songs. Some of them, granted, were, like, mashed together, but I love that because it allows you to hear as many as possible in the time frame that they give us. And I love that they prioritize us in that way, where they want to give us as much as possible, especially, you know, keeping in mind that for some people, it's their first concert. For some people, it could be their only concert. So I just really respect that they are very conscientious of wanting to bring a diverse variety into their live show and not just play the same thing over and over again. 
overall, as far as the other shows I've been to and these, I would say the Ajin show was my favorite I've ever been to. I don't know though. It's honestly really close with the trench one. But it has to be Ajin because it was so intimate in a way that none of the other ones will ever be. Chicago, I don't know where I would rank Chicago. The one cool thing about Chicago, we were in the second bowl. So we were a lot higher up, but we were on the very end by Josh in the stadium. And so we were looking sideways at the stage. And that was actually really cool because we got to see them backstage. So that that was just a cool, different way to view concerts that I'd, I'd me I went with my friend Becca again but that was a cool way to view their concerts that we'd never done before so it was it's always cool to just see their concerts from every vantage point and yeah I also loved in the middle they did an acoustic set where they had like a fake campfire and oh my gosh that's the other thing with the Ajna show they started going through the campfire set so it was like formidable house of gold doubt that was awesome and unexpected they did doubt during the acoustic set and there were a couple more they also did a cover of i can see clearly now the rain is gone and that was just so cute and fun to sing but they played like a song or so or maybe they hadn't even played a song yet in the acoustic set there was like yelling from the pit and a girl was everyone was like pointing at a girl and was like, oh my gosh, did she like pass out? Like what happened? And she threw up. And Tyler just, he, Tyler stopped everything. He's like, can you guys like help that girl? Um, like they normally do at shows. Uh, and then he was like, oh, she threw up. We'll just say it's from altitude sickness. <laughs> and then like it was clearly from alcohol. And then he goes, we'll dedicate this acoustic set to i forget what her name was but we found out her name and then he was like i'm gonna dedicate this acoustic set to blank who's not hungry anymore (laughs) i'm trying to remember if he like said or did anything else unique at that concert no the thing i was really looking forward to though like seeing skilled and icy live was mulberry street specifically like so good to see you i was like expecting myself to ball which i actually did not cry but It was cool. We did like a call and response to the other side of the venue where it was like Mulberry Street. So good to see you. Obviously, like if you went to a show, you know what I'm talking about. But it was it was really cute and an unexpected way to sing that part that I was looking forward to so much. So that was cool. And we obviously finished with trees and they had confetti that was blue, yellow and pink. And I put one of each in my phone case so can memorialize that. We were so far up at the United Center that we didn't get any, but um, that was okay. The best part that I did not mention about the United Center show that is also documented on Instagram, and I believe in the Facebook group too, I got to meet the one and only Remus, and that was the best part. And then we both went to our seats afterwards. (laughs) First of all, kudos to Remus because they literally ran around. They were like, where are you? And then we said like where our merch line was in relation to the seating chart. And they literally ran around the venue to find us. (laughs) I was very impressed. Um, And then we just like gushed and talked for a few minutes and it was great. And we're both like basically the same height. My short pal and then we went off to our seats after getting merch and everything and we were like oh where are you sitting where are you sitting and then we realized we were literally sitting 
me and Becca were sitting above them and their friends in like one bowl above them and so we we literally saw them and uh they took a picture of us and sent it to Michael in our group chat and we're like Anna Becker right above us it was really like out of it was such a big stadium it was like of course we happened to be right by each other so that was awesome and that was just another cool unique experience to um not only be seeing them live and seeing them live with a friend who's very dear to me but to also reunite <laughs> reunite to unite with a new friend who I love so much and have just this affinity for podcasting with that I never would have had even like two years ago um, when I saw them live before. Welcome back, laddies. It's day two and uh, I have a really bad Irish accent. (laughs) The other day I was reading out loud to Nugget because I just love to read out loud and this character was Irish so I was reading her dialogue like Irish the whole time and then I couldn't stop once I'd started. It was like 40 pages of Irish accent. And I miss Ireland so much. I want to go back. Anyway, um, I also realized, Nugget, calm down. <laughs> Nugget has some things to say. She's like, that was a zero out of five stars, that accent. Yeah, I know. You don't have to tell me twice. But I realized listening to the ending of uh, my previous recording, I feel like I did not even have a legitimate end to what I was saying. So I don't really know how to transition from there. But yeah, I enjoyed both of my concerts and I would not trade them for anything and I obviously want to go to many more but I ideally would like some new music to go with that and um I'm really excited to dig into clear because there is a lot let's jump into that shall we I also just want to document the fact that I paused for a second and um Nugget tried jumping up right when I put my hand right when I moved my hand down and she like smacked her head on my hand. It was kinda sad. I'm sorry. I think we all can agree that this is not the clear podcast. This is clearly the Nugget podcast featuring me analyzing clear. So <laughs> different days. Nugget's still a star of the show. Anyway, I say that all the time because I love Miranda Sings and Colleen Ballinger who plays Miranda Sings. You are my people if you also love Colleen. (laughs) I just like, I don't even mean to, but my go-to transition is... Anyways, the general tone of this song I would say is chaotic and messy, which I think accurately represents just the urgency and I would say almost frustration of the lyrics. There is the melodic singing portion. We're truly going to have Nugget this whole time. I don't know why she's being so vocal, because literally for the past four hours, she's been silent. But I think she senses that she has an audience. So thank you for enabling my kitten. (laughs) I kind of despise you. Just kidding. That's also courtesy of my friend Shyla, who literally always says, I despise you. Nugget loves Shyla. Anyway, the melodic singing portions I would describe as the street corner face versus the rap portions, I would say, is the masking words face. And I think that's pretty evident through the types of lyrics that are being said. The street corner melodic is a lot more direct and straightforward and the raps are a lot more masking and metaphoric and abstract. 
which I guess is also kind of when you zoom out and look at their discography I mean that's kind of the case a lot if not all the time whoa now I'm having a moment so I mean it makes sense like I feel like Tyler always like very strategically uses rap placements for either something really emotional or something really smart he knows when to place a rap the right time that's all i'm saying (laughs) he's very skilled and then i was also super curious and i thought it was super important to note that the times he's screaming in this song are when he's saying the gospel which is in the chorus and the outro which i would say is also very much both a plea and a frustration to the listener about wanting them to accept what he's saying which ultimately leads back to the gospel so i feel like it's important that the screaming always happens when it's like this is super important and i want to emphasize that through screaming and i just love that whether he intended to or not that makes it all the more impactful in my opinion anyway he's not just screaming to scream but there's very much a purpose behind why he's screaming when he's screaming, at least in my opinion. So verse one, I wish that I had two faces to prove which theory works, yelling on the street corner or cleverly masking your words. I take my face off at the door because I don't know who they will take me for. So initially with two faces, I thought of Matthew six twenty-four which may not be as intuitive to other people. I don't know why. I, again, I don't know if you guys have heard of the strength finder. It's like a test. It tells you your five main strengths, which basically tells you what types of jobs you'd be best at. But I, I had to take it at one point when I was doing some like career development in college. And one of my biggest strengths is connectedness. So I may have even mentioned this before, so sorry if I'm like a grandpa repeating himself, but um, I just always, my brain is just constantly like zing zing connections and everyone else is like, how did you get there? Like, wait, this just happened this past weekend with my sister and my brother-in-law. We were hanging out and (laughs) I was giving my brother-in-law a paper towel And I accidentally ripped just a tiny piece off and I gave it to him. And then (laughs) I said to my sister, wait, did you know there was a second life-size movie that came out with Tyra Banks? (laughs) And we like talked about it for a couple seconds. And then she's like, how did you think of that? And I was like, because of my brain, I ripped off a tiny piece of paper towel. And I'm like, this is a Barbie-sized piece of paper towel. (laughs) like that's just how my mind works so I'm constantly doing that (laughs) I'm just not explaining how I got where I got so usually my friends and family are like how did you get here I'm so confused (laughs) so basically my podcast is a platform I actually also get to explain how I got from a point to another point so (laughs) anyway I'm gonna let the verse speak for itself that was pretty funny Matthew 6, 24. Let us listen to the Lord now. (laughs) No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Um, And then 
interesting case you want a fun fact uh the footnote says greek mammon a semitic word for money or possessions so there you go and yeah i don't know why i thought of this because obviously like the two faces is literally just two faces like i really don't think it's any deeper than that in reality but i just thought of like obviously in this stanza is about different ways to evangelize and just like different methods of going about talking about something but I almost feel like it's like two different ways to go about something because you're trying to come off different ways and or I guess by extension like trying to serve two masters like I very much connect like this tension between the two faces as being torn between pleasing God versus pleasing man which form of evangelizing is more believable which will produce more of the impact that you want it to on other people and so if we're talking about like god versus money in this verse as the two masters that you can't serve like to me yelling on the street corners is about serving the lord and cleverly masking your words is about serving money and i think that makes sense because cleverly masking your words is more digestible for the average listener you think about, you know, your basic man on the corner of your college campus screaming that you're going to hell. Like, obviously, no one takes that seriously. But also, like, cleverly masking your words is more catered to money because it's more quote-unquote friendly, for lack of a better term. I mean, it literally is, too, because you're not, like, screaming at people. But There's all you also run the risk if you're masking your words, though, of it being misconstrued or interpreted incorrectly or like there's a lot more variables. And when you think about like how to evangelize or how to even just relate to people effectively, like what are people going to value more? It's hard to say because different people value different things, you know, like, yeah, you might hate the man yelling on the corner, but at least he's just being direct about what he thinks or believes. And even if it's blunt and you hate it, like, at least he's not hiding something. And, like, cleverly masking your words, I don't know, like, you're still, you're not necessarily hiding because you're still conveying what you believe and think, but you're also more so catering to people because you're veiling it in literary devices like metaphors or you're I don't know it's almost like you're you're trying to present something so it's less like offensive or less I don't know I I can't think of a good word for what I'm trying to say but also if you're cleverly masking your words like I could see someone being really upset that they thought you were talking about something for a long time And then all of a sudden, whoa, like, you're talking about God? Like, and then that could be a super big turnoff for someone who's not a Christian of, like, oh, I feel like you were, like, lying to me that whole time. And I feel like, doesn't he bring that up later in the song? Verse 2, I'm not trying to be lying to you. Which kind of emphasizes that, like, if you are choosing to cleverly mask your words, there's a chance that some people could view that as, like, trying to be deceitful which obviously is problematic because we should not be striving to be deceitful as Christ followers so yeah it's a really tense place to be in because (laughs) I'm one of those annoying people's like I can see both sides it's good to just be direct and to say what you mean and mean what you say but also you 
I, I always feel like to properly get people to believe what you're saying and to really make an impact and want people to be intrigued by what you believe, you also have to not just be blunt necessarily, but understand where they are at first. Understand where they're struggling, where their hesitations or angers or frustrations are coming from. So yeah, I don't know if I necessarily agree with masking your words, but I I don't think he necessarily masks his words. Like some people might argue he does, but I think he just poetically explains his beliefs. I don't think he's trying to mask them. Like I think a lot of people who are not Christians can listen to his music and get their own meanings out of it, but I think ultimately, even if you're not a Christian, you can listen to a lot of these songs and be like, yeah, I know that he is a Christian. I know he is talking about the God he believes in. So I think you can hem and haw on the specifics and whether you think he did the right thing and ultimately be judgmental, which like that's that's his own thing. But I think ultimately like Tyler has still staked his ground in what he believes and you can't deny what he believes. Even if you disagree with it or want to interpret the song a different way, I don't think anyone argues with what he believes. And so in that way, I think he's still direct even if he's not as direct as some people might want it to be. I don't know what this conversation turned into, but yeah, those are, those are my personal opinions on it. But back to the literary analysis. The ending of this stanza, I take my face off at the door because I don't know who they will take me for. I didn't have a ton of notes on that, but it did remind me of Trap Door when he says, because I will save face for name's sake. And it kind of goes back to like pride and wanting to please men. I will take my face off. Um, maybe he's referring to Street Corner, maybe he's referring to one or the other, but he could also just be not trying to come off at all and just <laughs> exist. I don't know. I don't really know how else you would take that, but just like wanting to put down all of your opinions and beliefs for a second because you're afraid of persecution or being labeled something that you're not. Um, I know I personally hate being misunderstood. And it's just inevitable that as soon as you say Christian, there's going to be all kinds of prejudice. There's going to be all kinds of negativity, honestly, especially these days, unfortunately. And it's, it's scary to put that face on a lot of times. And by no means is, is persecution in the United States anywhere, like persecution in the Middle East or something. But there's a lot of pride that goes into just considering how best to do something and even like even just arguing through what way you think is best like everyone just wants to be right and they want everyone else to be wrong <laughs> like uh yeah pride man it's everywhere even in good causes it's everywhere it's everywhere <laughs> you can't escape it even when you think you are, you're probably not. <laughs> so then I would say this is verse two, but it, it says it's called a break on the genius lyrics I printed out. Whatever that means. So he sings, 
I wonder if I tell him what I did last night, whether or not I got caught. They just might wage war on you. Therefore, it's true that I shot my general on my side of enemy lines. On my side of enemy lines. <laughs> that just flows so well off the tongue. Okay, so... I wonder if I tell him what I did last night. That, to me, just the way he, like, starts that off, it seems like, okay, so you did something negative or, like, sinful. <laughs> That's just how that comes off to me. Whether or not I got caught, and also because it's followed up with whether or not I got caught. So, there's two options. Either he got caught or he didn't get caught with whatever sin, negative thing is happening. If he did get caught... There would be open ridicule, he'd be labeled bad, you know, all the things he's probably not wanting them to take himself for, like previously stated, would happen if he was caught in wrongdoing. But also, it's kind of a lose-lose, because if he's not caught, <laughs> there's potentially even just like a, a worse taste in the mouth for non-Christians, because to me, it's like, backing it up I didn't explain this he's saying if I told them like to me it's like if he told people he's trying to convince of what he believes so if he's not caught well then you know I you would think if you are someone who is not a Christian well why would God let sin get get away quote-unquote he didn't get caught but he did something wrong so whether or not I got caught they just might wage war on you because then, like, if he was not caught, it turns into God seeming hypocritical, which obviously we as Christians know is not true. But to a non-Christian, I could see it being like, oh, well, you didn't get caught. So that means God's hypocritical because he's rewarding badness. And then it just kind of spirals into apologetics of well, if he's a good God, why does he let bad things happen? Why does he let injustices happen? Why does he let, you know, evil off the hook? Why are evil people successful or have things that other people don't? And the list just kind of goes on and on. And that's something to wage war over with God and something that God can definitely handle and take. And honestly, that's a good place for non-christians to be because like ultimately i feel like the goal is just keep questioning and keep being frustrated and keep not understanding and press into that and not ignore it and all of those questions especially the questions about god like the more you lean into it the more you'll look it up and learn more and like that's a good place to be but back to the literal lyrics once they've waged war it's true, he shot his general on his side of enemy lines, which we're constantly sinning against God. We're shooting him on our side of enemy lines. We're no better than non-Christians just because we have faith, you know? And because whether or not he got caught, ultimately, the point is that we're still sinners in desperate need of a savior. And that doesn't go away just because we believe in God. We're not ranked higher. We don't look down on other people or we shouldn't because no one's better or worse than one another in terms of redemption and identity. And that's a lot of the things that I've been meditating on lately, just healing from a lot of things. And it really works like a charm <laughs> to break down pride as well, like we were talking about earlier. 
good way to break down pride is to realize that you're not actually better than anyone. So, yeah. Chorus, he says, I'm the son of all I've done. Imposter, been fostered, then my new father drained my dirty blood. And then he repeats that. It's the gospel! (laughs) Here, we have the gospel. So we have, before Christ, I'm the son of all I've done. Imposter, with Christ, we've been fostered. And then, in light of Christ, he drains our dirty blood. And we're not the same. And praise God for that. So being the son of all I've done shows that he's being raised by all he's done. A father raises a son. And so our original owner, quote unquote, I guess for lack of a better term, is sin and the world. Because that's naturally where we lean towards. And then... Being an imposter is all about pride in pretending that you're not broken, don't need a savior, pretending to be all these things that you're not because you just want to be self-sufficient, live on your own, not need anyone. And then my favorite part is Ben Fostered because it reminds me of Nugget before I bought her. And speaking from personal experience, like, it's so cool to foster because it's not just, like, making someone have a family, although that's obviously part of it, and that's obviously a huge part of the gospel is you you have a new family, but I think the coolest part for me about fostering having Nugget was... Prior to buying her, obviously, (laughs) it's not like I suddenly don't have her anymore. But the coolest part is you receive, I'm just going to say someone for the sake of the text and everything, but obviously for me, it's a kitten. You receive a person and they're really broken and they're really hurting. They believe a lot of lies. And then the best thing is... The longer you have them, you teach them what love is and you show them what love is. And it's like a whole new world has been opened up. Like Nugget was terrified when I first got her. And it's just funny because it's like they're scared of something that's not actually scary when they actually get to know it. I mean, that's how we are with like a lot of things. I think fear ultimately most times just comes from a lack of knowledge of something and so the more you become acquainted with something the less scary it becomes it's like it's like me with the centipedes in my apartment I'm not scared of them anymore because there's just been so many and I've just had to get used to killing them and seeing them and I'm familiar with them now so they're not as scary I obviously still don't like them but they're not as like debilitatingly fearful or debilitatingly fear, debilitatingly terrifying as they were before. And yeah, so it's just the coolest thing to show someone what love is when they haven't really known or what they've known has been really cheap or temporal. It was just so cool watching Nugget get more used to her surroundings and then more curious about her surroundings, just like as we delve more into scripture and prayer and church and community and deeper relationships and mentorships and just wanting to 
soak in as much as we can and be as present as we can and now she's just a bundle of spaz and she's happy and she's not the scared little kitten that she was when I got her who was starved and really sad (laughs) and it's cool to just compare that to how God has fostered us and then he drains our dirty blood and I just think that's the coolest part of the gospel and what constantly astounds me is that he hates our sin and it's so burdensome and painful that it killed him but at the end of the day even as it's ongoing every day of our lives he doesn't see us for those things no matter what it is even if it's like you're a Christian and you murdered someone like what how even if you keep doing that one sin that annoys you at least for me like because I'm perfectionistic and I'm like dang I'm really gonna be struggling with this for the rest of my life that's annoying you mean I can't perfect this that's annoying and he's like yeah you're gonna do that same sin like approximately four billion more times before you die but that's still not your identity (laughs) yeah it's just uh i love it so much it just gives me all the warm fuzzies and as it should as it should and it's just crazy how life-giving this can be and yet if you don't believe in it it's very like harsh and annoying or just like I don't want to hear this like not because like oh that sounds bad but just like this is a lot of crap um you guys are dumb or like whatever the prejudices are but yeah it's cool to see the gospel so effectively and succinctly written out like that in a very poetic way I love poetically seeing, hearing, and also creating myself things that are based on scripture. Because God, you know, we are creators after the creator. And it's just, it's awesome to just see the ways that everyone takes the truth and runs with it and with their own lens and passions that God has given them. Like, it was always cool in my life group from like 2019 till 2020, we would always do gospel sharing. Like every week, different person would share the gospel in a different way. And it was so cool seeing everyone's creativity. Like for me, it's music and writing. And so my gospels would be a lot of times shown through poetry. Whereas like for someone else who loved science, it was showing it through like a demonstration or experiment. Or like for someone else, it was art and drawing. Just seeing all the ways that we can showcase God's beauty and truth through the very specific fields that he's put us in is so cool. Like I would never know how to share the gospel in like a science realm or a math realm or a history realm. And I just, I love that so much. There's so many ways to do it and you can do it in any language and even numbers, I'm sure. (laughs) And that's just wild. That's so awesome. We love the gospel. (laughs) So verse two is very lengthy. So I'm going to do about half of it. I'll just kind of read until I think I should stop, I guess. Which is ironic because, like, the first half, note-wise, is, like, way heavier than the second half. But 
Oh, well. So, the first half. I'm not trying to be lying to you, but it takes a clever guy to do what I do. It takes some chivalry and well-placed energy to subliminally get yourself inside you. Introspection is the name of this session. Spread this infection, reflect it on the next one, the next one, the next one, and when we're done, we'll all have made something new under the sun. I'm not trying to be lying to you. Which kind of goes back to what we are saying about it could potentially seem that way if you're masking your words. But it takes a clever guy, which I feel like goes back to pride. <laughs> I'm so clever <laughs> to do what I do. But again, I tie that back to, yeah, it takes a certain kind of skill and knowledge to be able to poetically portray the gospel and faith. Not everyone is gifted in poetry and lyricism. And it's it's always nice to have fresh creativity around the gospel. There's not one way to share it. There's not one way to express our faith. It takes some chivalry and well-placed energy. Chivalry is all about valuing ethics, standing for ethics, and obviously you have to do that to care about morals in the gospel and the moral compass God has placed us in. And well-placed energy to subliminally get yourself inside you. Again, this is the name of the 21 Pilots game, introspection. Ultimately, if we are to be introspective, we want to make people introspective, especially when it comes to figuring out what they believe and contemplating God and his existence and the gospel. Because the more we get inside ourselves and the more we introspect, we have more self-knowledge. And the more we genuinely look inside ourselves the more we understand how broken we are and how hurtful we can be. And introspection brings a lot of healing and it also brings a lot of humility. That's very much the opposite of how our world works. And so it makes sense that the more you introspect, the more you just seek out God or even questions surrounding God, even if you don't believe in him. The other reason that it's really important to push people towards introspection is because we are way too obsessed with the opposite and it's not helpful and it's not productive. It's just a huge, annoying distraction. We are obsessed with judging. We are obsessed with telling people what they are and what they're not. We're obsessed with cancel culture. All of these things are all about who we believe other people are and... That's the thing that bothers me about cancel culture especially. I think we're probably, for the most part, all on the same page that we don't like cancel culture, but I think what bothers me so much about it is that it's ignorant because you're just fixating on someone else and how much you think they suck. And really, implicitly, you're just claiming that you're a great person, which, I'm sorry, is not true. None of us are. <laughs> Maybe that sounds really bleak and cynical, but it's not. Like, we all suck a lot. And I think there's freedom in that. Like, we can and should all be canceled for a lot of reasons. But we're not because of Christ. And I just think the more you press into cancel culture, the more you are feeding into lies and drifting further away from truth. Not just because the morals are anti-God, but just practically. The more you focus on other people, the more you're just feeding the wrong things. The more you focus on yourself, 
it just that's like that's how it should be like that's the appropriate way to go about life and it's sad because I firsthand have witnessed people who primarily focus on other people and honestly they're miserable the most miserable people I know are people who obsess over other people other people's choices other people's lifestyles other people's clothing the list goes on the most awesome people I know, including Tyler Joseph, are people who have spent many days and weeks and months and years and hours getting to know themselves and how broken they are, not trying to hide from that. Like, that's just a breath of fresh air. It's not hard to judge other people. It's not hard to cancel other people. And it's not life-giving because no one no one can boast under the gospel no one can boast so introspection is where we want to get people spread this infection reflect it on the next one the next one the next one spread introspection spread the song and the desire for truth and the desire to push people towards introspection and ultimately the gospel honestly i think introspection kind of is linked in the gospel it takes great strength to introspect because we don't like to see brokenness in ourselves. Again, I think pride is the root of most things, as most people say and believe. And when we're done, we'll all have made something new under the sun. That is the entire theme of Ecclesiastes, except it's the opposite. There's nothing new under the sun. The first verse I pulled up was Ecclesiastes 1.9. As an example, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. All is striving after wind. So nothing is new under the sun. And that's very much the theme of Ecclesiastes. So I thought it was interesting he said something is new under the sun. And I'm assuming that to mean as a general theme, nothing being new under the sun means everything is like striving after wind. Everything is unfulfilling and fleeting. Whereas something new under the sun would be like life-giving and fulfilling. Therefore, if we're introspecting and coming closer to the truth and the reality of our identities and the reality of our need for salvation and the reality of once we have salvation, our redemption and grace and mercy that we're constantly given, that is fulfilling and that is something that's, I guess, new under the sun because it's, it's not a striving after wind. It's very much purpose. So, into the second half of the verse. I'm not done. I'm not done yet. No. (laughs) Kick me off the stage and take my microphone. Then you'll walk up to me, and when you get close, I'll look you in the face and say, where's your home? Where are you going? And why are you here? Have you asked these questions? Have you been sincere? Want to know what I believe? It's right here. Dig a little deeper, and it's crystal clear. 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 (laughs) I feel like the way he says that is very, like, staccato. It's like, Claire. Claire. (laughs) Claire. (laughs) Claro? Oh my gosh, I love Claro. Anyway, this part is, yeah, I have very few notes. It's honestly very self-explanatory. I I really, you know, which is ironic because he's like, dig a little deeper. But I'm like, Tyler, this is already very clear. (laughs) You know, there's some stuff we've made connections with and dug into. But, like, overall especially with the gospel section, like, 
it is pretty clear, at least this specific song. Obviously, he's probably also referring to, like, other parts of his discography, which I agree. But the, this song itself, I'm like, you know, Tyler, it's actually already pretty clear. But maybe that's just because, you know, I've literally been raised with always, like, knowing God and, and thinking and relating to God and talking about God. So I could just be very biased, which is honestly plausible. But kick me off the stage and take my microphone... Like, this is so important. I'm going to persist, even if there's opposition, even if you take me down for it, even if you remove what I feel I've been given to convey this message. Like, ultimately, God has truly blessed Tyler Joseph in all of these creative ways. But if you have to, like, kick me off the stage, take my my microphone. It very much reminds me of Paul. Like, I'm going to go to prison if I have to. But it's also, like... I would rather someone have, like, a severely negative reaction than, like, apathy, you know? I feel like it's almost, like, good if someone has a strong reaction, even if it's negative, because it means, like, they're actively engaging with what they're listening and hearing and even with what they're arguing about in a negative sense. You know, argument and arguing is, we've made it this big negative thing, but, like, at its core... I took a whole argumentation class. Argument is all about just, like, opinions and thoughts. It's not necessarily, like, this yelling and screaming at each other. Just fun fact. Maybe you already knew that, and I'm just, like, over-explaining. Woman-splaining. <laughs> then, like, if you're so mad at me and you, like, kick me off, well, then you'll have to walk up to me to do so. And so then, when you're doing so, I'll be like, where's your home? Where are you going? Why are you here? <laughs> I would love if Tyler actually asked me those things. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting to talk to you about this for so long. I'm so excited. <laughs> like, Tyler, we both know why we're here. <laughs> Let's have a really long conversation about it. Because I'm really excited. But then have you asked these questions? Have you been sincere? Back to the apologetics. Like, this is all about, like, see it through. Where did it come up before? I'm already blanking. Like, press into why would a good God blah 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 how injustice like press into all the questions be sincere with your frustrations and confusion and anger and bitterness and any other emotion even towards christians or towards the church like especially like there's been so much church corruption like press into all of that ask the questions be sincere even if you're super negative and cynical about it because that's better than being apathetic and I think ultimately that's also what this song is getting at like tell me if you've had enough you know if you're super negative about it fine but I just don't want you to be apathetic so maybe I just kind of spoiled the ending but into the bridge and outro after obviously the chorus again I will tell you what I can but your mind will take a stand I sing of a greater love let me know when you've had enough (gasps) I found Nugget. She's literally panting like a dog. So I will tell you what I can. Speaking to his life, his revelations, he's literally just laying everything out that he knows and he can speak on in the song. But your mind will take a stand. It's ultimately up to each person to decide what they believe. You can't make someone believe anything. You can't figure it out, process through the apologetic questions with them like they... I mean, you can with them, but you can't do it for them. That's what I meant. So your mind, no matter who you are, your mind will take a stand. You will come up with a conclusion, whether you believe it or not. And no one else can do that for you. I sing of a greater love. 
obviously God, but emphasis on greater love. This is talking about belief in something that is real, a real lifelong fulfillment that is not based on emotion, that is not based on circumstance, and that is not based on conditional love. It is very much unconditional and everlasting and merciful and gracious in ways that we can never be because we're sinful and it's a greater love than you and I could ever offer each other. Let me know when you've had enough. But even if you've had enough, the only way you can say enough is because you were listening. And that's a good thing. I missed you guys. I am very excited to share our local Druma Tirza story. And Tirza, I know you've been waiting for a really long time, so I'm really excited to tell your story. Finally, thank you for being so patient. Thank you for being awesome. And thank you for being so encouraging. I am always just so appreciative of how much you guys care about this podcast and also care about me and few or the frequent things that you've heard about me. Thank you. You barely know me and you care. And that is so kind of you. So thank you. So here is Tirza's story. Me and my brother have liked listening to 21 Pilots for three years now. I was born in 2009, so to hear in episode 1 that they were founded in 2009 was really cool. Anyways, he and I always would listen to it and build Legos. I love that because that was literally me as a child too. I loved Legos. I would love to know what your favorite Lego sets are. Please email me and let me know. Okay, she continues... And boy, have they aged well. <laughs> I love that. I love the albums Vessel and Trench and Blurry Face and Scaled and Icy. And well, I love them all. Of course, as you should. I'm a Christian as well, and I think your insight is very creative and awesome. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Tirza. That means a lot, and it means a lot that you took the time to write this. So thank you so much. Even though you don't have email, even though you don't have social media, it doesn't matter. I am so grateful that you wanted to reach out at all and that you wanted to listen at all and that's really cool to hear that you came from amazon thank you i appreciate you so much and i hope you're doing well and i hope you and your family have happy holidays together to the rest of you you can email entrenchpodcast at gmail.com with a written account of your 21 pilot story or your favorite memories you have related to the band. You can also reach out with an episode request if you want to analyze a song, video, or album with me. And if you'd like to contribute to the analysis we've already covered, you can join the podcast Facebook group by searching Entrench Podcast Group. You can find Entrench on Podbean, Verbal, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music, like Tirza. On Instagram, you can find me at entrench underscore pod. I look forward to hearing from all of you. Tune in next time for the album wrap-up of Regional at Best. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Stay alive and remember, entrench, you're not alone. Cue awkward long pause where I just tried to <laughs> lock my phone. <laughs> wow, Rusty. Come on now, get on down, you lady. Oh no, now she's staring at the little time marker. She about to attack the laptop. Jingle bells, nugget smells, nugget laid an egg.
Nugget Mobile lost the wheel and Nugget does ballet. Nugget's everything in the song. That's what we do at our house. Nugget is everything. Nugget, move your butt. <laughs> She's going to toot in the microphone. I literally am like blanking where Ecclesiastes is. Like a ding dong. Where is it? Okay, I literally don't remember. Honestly, I think it might be... Oh, it's after Proverbs. I was way off. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> oh, does anyone know that? <laughs> if you do, you're an OG. I was Miranda twice for Halloween. Thank you very much.